As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Steelers Nation, happy February 17th, 2019. Welcome to the Antonio Brown Drama Variety Hour, also known as the Steelers Outpost Podcast, episode 79. You guys want to start with the meat or should we uh, dance our way around it? Should we bury the lead or should we get right into it? I say we get right into it. It's just Nick here today checking in from the Houston Outpost. Papa Tom is on a plane right now, simultaneously fighting some sort of severe nuclear sinus infection um, as well as just general melancholy due to how ugly this situation has gotten with Antonio Brown. But luckily, as of yesterday, which was Saturday when I'm recording this podcast, I'm recording on Sunday, AB has cleared up some of the air, or at least has uh, claimed to clear up some of the air uh, because on Twitter... He decided to host a tell-all, 10-question Q&A session, which he actually managed to answer with six question and answers that he took. And uh, did we get many answers? Not particularly, but we did get a little bit more specifics, kind of confirming things that we thought we already knew. Uh, Number one. We have no idea where his mental health is. Half of these tweets are in cryptic form, uh, missing words, sentences, punctuation. They're hard to understand. Part of that, I think, is just A.B.'s communication style. Part of that, I do sincerely think, is him actually pretty deftly playing games with the media and with the fans and and this cryptic type of talk. I think he uses it on purpose to make people um, generate conversation about him. And I'd say that his fame has never been higher than it is right now. He is constantly in the news. Joe Flacco tries valiantly for one day to, to get the news cycle back to him. Super Bowl winning quarterback transfers teams from the Baltimore Evil Birds to the Denver Broncos, and that guy gets one day of media before Antonio Brown thrusts himself back into the center. So if you ask me, it looks like his plan's working according to plan. The AB brand is shooting out of the roof. But anyways, uh, one thing, um, so he answered six questions that he sort of picked out uh, uh, single-handedly, and I ended up tweeting about one of them yesterday that I wanted to go over on the podcast here. Uh, Savo, at Savo RPC, tweeted and asked AB, what caused the conflict between you and Ben Roethlisberger? AB responded, he said, no conflict, just a matter of respect, mutual respect. He has an owner mentality, like he can call out anybody, including coaches. Players know, but they can't say anything about it, otherwise they meal ticket gone. It's a dirty game within a game. Hashtag truth. Okay, so AB came right out there and admitted what everybody has been speculating about, which is that he has a big problem with 
Ben's comments on Ben's radio show, and it sounds like particularly when Ben mentioned him after the Denver game where Ben threw the interception on the one-yard line, and he said that he had never seen a a nose tackle get blocked so well by Marquise Pouncey that he uh, got in the way of the pass that he threw, which was total crap. The guy was dropping. And then he also said that he talked to A.B. after and said that he needed to run that slant flatter again totally bogus i think it was marcus i think it was easy it was either roby or harris the cornerback for the denver broncos was clearly in front of ab uh, either way whether you ran that flat or not it was getting picked off by the nose tackle or by the cornerback um but the bottom line was just don't mention ab in these types of interviews there's there's no reason to the, the guy clearly is not lacking in motivation you talking about him in a national media setting well i guess um you know, local media sending to Pittsburgh, but they all become national media stories. There's, there is no benefit in that. And I'll get into that uh, in just a minute here, but kind of moving back towards AB. Yeah, this confirms that he has a problem with Ben talking about people in the media. But it also says something a little bit deeper too. AB since last summer has been seemingly going through like an existential crisis. Last summer, he had all these impassioned interviews uh, filled with non-sequiturs as usual, but they seemed to dance around the general subject of him feeling like he wasn't able to express himself, which is partially hilarious because I don't know if there's another player in the NFL that expresses himself as much as AB, uh, particularly with the impunity that he gets to do it uh, with. You know, Generally speaking, punishments for him have not been that harsh, but you can also understand what he's saying. I mean, he, he is an actual eccentric. He's real deal. He's a different kind of guy. And, uh, you know, he does have to be careful with what he, um, you know, what he says and does in the NFL and whether you think that's fair or not. I mean, there is some sort of a point to that, but I think what he's alluding to when he says Ben has owner mentality is he, he feels that if another player, called out the coaches or called out the players, which in all fairness, Antonio Brown has never done. And he actually came out and defended Ben after that Denver interview, um, which was interesting to see that he's kind of going back on that now and then stooping even further down if you look at some of the tweets he's been liking about uh, Ben's, um, you know, stuff Ben has been in the news for and this and that or whatever. But uh, he's mad that, you know, seemingly mostly at Tomlin and Ben for kind of the circus act and uh, lack of rules and lack of discipline and lack of consistency that those guys have where, where Ben is kind of immune to anything because he's the 15, 16 year quarterback, Super Bowl winner, blah, blah, blah. Um, I get that. We tweeted out, we said, we've always agreed that Ben criticizing players and coaches in the media does much more damage than good. And now you're seeing an example of it here with AB freaking out to this degree and demanding a trade. But this can't be the full story. It's sad seeing A.B. stoop to low levels, liking those tweets about Ben yesterday. And it's a clear message um, when he liked those tweets because he knows that everybody sees that. Um, and there's a tiny bit of clarity with these Antonio Brown statements on his issues with Ben. He doesn't like that Ben can criticize players and coaches in the media, but if another player did it, he'd be gone. But it's a little misleading because A.B., has gotten away with plenty that other players would never have been able to got would never be able to get away with the Facebook Live in the locker room, the celebrations, wearing different kind of cleats every week, whatever little things like that, you know, 
I guess the Facebook Live thing's a big thing, but the celebrations and the cleats, who really cares about all that? But how about not staying with the team during training camp when they all have to stay in a D3 or whatever it is dorm room at St. Vincent College when he gets an Airbnb across the street and nobody says anything. He's allowed to do that kind of stuff. What about the fact that he shows up for games allegedly very close to kickoff time, way later than everybody else on the team shows up? He shows up in mink coats. He goes, he balls out. He gets a ton of leeway. And I'm sure that if he had even tried some of the stuff that Ben had tried in terms of calling out players here or there, he probably would have gotten away with it too. So it seems a little bit hypocritical because even when Ben's calling out these people, I feel like calling out is almost too strong of a word. Again, I think it's dumb that he ever even talks about players in in, in a negative light or whatever um, just because it's it's not going to motivate guys. I'm sorry. In the NFL – you know, Washington drops that pass against the Broncos. He's worried about his job. He's worried about his career, and he's a competitive football player who's made it to the highest level of football. He's going to work on that in his own time. There's no way you can tell me that Ben makes that comment in the media and Washington's at home saying, damn, man, I wasn't going to work that hard. I didn't know I really need to make that catch. But now that Ben has said it in the media, now I'm going to turn it around. Uh, Come on, man. You can do that at practice. It does more harm than it does good. Plus, like we said, the media does not like Ben Roethlisberger on the large scale. So he has a very thin line of things that he can do. He's only hurting himself, right? do believe a tremendous amount of his desire to get traded is due to the fact that Juju Smith-Schuster is on the team now and he doesn't get to be just the de facto go-to guy all the time because I think that's really his main goal and you can kind of see that in his reaction to games where he plays well or not uh, whether they win or lose it's really more about whether he plays well or not and there's other things that go into it too it sounds like his relationship is fray with Mike Tomlin he talked about Somebody asked him, hey, A-B, let's see, it's uh, at T underscore Jurge 96. He said, you sat out on our last game against the Bengals. If you love the game as much as you say, regardless of your $70 million you made, you shouldn't be able to sit out so easily then. A-B responded and said, after the coach told the team I quit while nursing some bumps, then invite me to watch the show with same guys thinking I quit. It's hard to decipher everybody, sorry. I cannot stand with that. I think that loosely translates to, um, I was hurt, and so that's why I didn't come to practice, which of course is a blatant lie, because we know that Mike Tomlin, uh, when AB claimed that he was hurt, gave him the days off, gave him the day off, he said, go get an MRI. Antonio Brown did not go get the MRI, so AB, man, it's, it's hard not to call BS right here. He says, I'm nursing some bumps, yet he doesn't get the MRI and he's totally fine to play. A little lame to see him try and pull this little workaround like this. Then he goes on to say, uh, I guess the coach invites me to watch the show with the same guys, thinking that I quit. I cannot stand with that. Um, I'm the bad guy, though. We miss postseason. Think about it. I'm working for you guys today. I didn't know I get paid to translate. I didn't get paid to do this at all. But basically, now he has a big problem with Mike Tomlin because in his mind, he thinks that Tomlin is trying to make him look like the bad guy, which is what happened. I mean, you're crazy, man, to have the amount of pride to just either not be able to admit that or not actually realize that you were wrong in the situation. That's been my big problem with it that the whole time. He hasn't admitted for a second that anything he has done along the way has been wrong. And so 
The big three, they're all at fault. AB's at fault for a lot of this. Tomlin's at fault. Ben is now seeing some of the consequences for the way that he acts a little bit freely in the locker room. Right? So hopefully they learn from this and go forward. But in the meantime, luckily, AB is destroying his trade value. And there is almost no chance of the Steelers getting a first round pick back for one of the greatest receivers in the history of the NFL who is still in his prime and I believe will still be in his prime for, you know, another two to four years. His game, his game transcends. It's based on precision, not speed. I've gone over this a thousand times. But with him saying sayonara to the Steelers in so many ways, uh, Mr. Rooney actually came down and they met in Florida, which everyone we are all assuming, that's basically to get on the same page to get a decent relationship to form this trade. There's no way that he's coming back to Pittsburgh. He even basically said as much in that Twitter Q&A that, you know, he loves the Steelers fans, but he's not coming back to Pittsburgh. So uh, all this is is ruining the Steelers' leverage. He's shown that he is completely against coming back to Pittsburgh. So trade partners know that. He's had issues with the law, with the throwing the furniture off the balcony last summer, with the incident where he potentially pushed um, ex-girlfriend of his, uh, mother of one of his children, and just the different things that he's getting into now. There's even been rumors that he might, you know, he's just acting very weird during Super Bowl week and, and odd, and people are wondering what's up with his mental health. So all this does is lower his trade value, but trust me, there's plenty of people who are going to want this guy, and there are plenty of teams where if he goes there, he could help push them over the edge towards a Super Bowl or towards a more successful season or even just towards selling more tickets, whatever that happens to be. So Steelers don't look like they're getting a first rounder for him, which is baffling, absolutely baffling. But there are a couple teams, uh, namely San Francisco, the team he wants to go to, and the Arizona Cardinals who hold the number one pick in the draft and the number one pick in every other round. Those are two teams who are being uh, tossed around as as um, potential suitors for AB and uh, for the Steelers to trade him to. And I like either one of those options, honestly, if you are going to trade him. Arizona. So a lot of people are talking, can you get Pat P out of there for AB? I have no idea where they're at on that, whether that would be a possibility. At this point, I would take that point blank period, even if it was a player for a player trade at this point, because Pat P could really help you right now. He's got maybe a couple years left in his prime, pair him with Joe Hayden, and you can make this run at the Super Bowl with this roster, which is kind of set to expire age-wise and and salary cap construction-wise within the next few years. Wouldn't even mind that. Or if Arizona gave you their second-round pick, which is really the 33rd pick in the NFL draft, basically a very late first-round pick, if you got that for AB, that would sort of be a success in its own right. San Francisco has early draft picks as well. They could, um, you know, package. They'd have to package more than one pick, hopefully, for Antonio. But those are two teams to keep your eye on. They're also way on the other side of the country and in the NFC because the Steelers will not trade him in the AFC North or to the Patriots, which seems like a pretty good idea to not do that, right? Anyways, we'll keep our eye on that. I know that was a that was a lot of info on AB, but uh, the the quintessential ultimate tell-all 10-question Q&A answered in six questions. Uh, it's definitely a piece of news worth going over. But they got to deal AB at some point, most likely, and uh, they're going to have to deal some other guys onto the team through free agency. And there's been a lot of talk recently about 
the plethora of defensive backs available in free agency, particularly successful veteran safeties. You look at Earl Thomas, who, of course, has had some big injury problems in Seattle. He's going to be high in demand. Tyron Matthew for the Houston Texans. I do think that they'll end up retaining him, but, hey, he'll be out there on the market. Landon Collins from the Giants. Who knows if he'll be available or not, you know. LaMarcus Joyner. You got Adrian Amos. Haha Clinton Dix, who's bounced around a little bit recently. Glover Quinn. Uh, stalwart from the Lions defense for the past few years. He is available. And Trey Boston, once again, guy we spent a lot of time talking about last offseason, he's available again. So we'll see what's up. Uh, If the Steelers will sign one of those guys, clearly they've got to start Terrell Edmonds. they got to see what they have there. I kind of have a feeling they're going to want to stick with Sean Davis further. Obviously, he he did play well, uh, at least for his standards, at free safety last year, surprisingly well, but he's a guy that can absolutely be be upgraded. So hopefully the Steelers aren't so stubborn to need to find out what they truly have with Davis. And if they can get one of these guys who they feel is a fit, if the guy passes all the medicals, you can definitely upgrade that position. Now, I also think there could be a bit of a favorable Benedict Benedict Arnold situation coming up for the Steelers. I think a Raven could become a Steeler. C.J. Mosley, cornerback Jimmy Smith, and safety old man Eric Weddle, good friend of Ben Roethlisberger, are all set to become free agents. I don't know how many people the Ravens are going to end up retaining. I'm not exactly sure what the cap hit, hit is with trading of Joe Flacco, but you got to assume one of those guys is going to be gone. And any one of those players would help the Steelers immediately. Weddle's pretty old. I believe he's 34, but he played great this past season. So the Steelers might kick the tires on him. Obviously, they tried to get him before he went to Baltimore. So any one of those guys could be someone to keep an eye on. Obviously, the Steelers are very familiar with any one of those players. The Ravens and the Houston Texans are two teams to keep an eye on. Both teams have a lot of talent on defense, uh, varying ages on their defense, and they have a lot of guys who are up for free agency. So, like I said, Mosley, Smith, and Weddle, I think a couple other guys on Baltimore, but those are kind of the premier names. And then on the Houston Texans, Jadavian Clowney is probably set to be the biggest money defensive free agent of the year. Tyron Matthew, the honey badger at safety, you know, he does a lot more than just play safety. He plays in the slide. He can play a little corner. He can do a little bit of everything. And then Kareem Jackson has been a really solid, incredibly underrated corner for them for the past few years. I think he's 30 or 31 years old. He's probably going to be available. So the way I look at this is there's no way all those guys are going to be available from those teams, but I got to think one person from either one of those teams are available, and all of those are people who could help the Steelers immediately. So I'd keep an eye on them. Um, whoever's getting available from the Texans or the Ravens is going to be a relatively big money guy, but the Steelers got to take that chance because the window is absolutely closing. And unfortunately for them, the biggest free agent name of all The single best acquisition the Steelers could have made this offseason. The the Steelers could have gotten this guy, and my entire mood could be turned around. My entire outlook on the 2019 Steelers could have been turned around if the Toronto Argonauts had not signed defensive super tackle Poop Johnson. Poop Johnson. Defensive tackle. Just signed with the Toronto Argonauts. I know that sounds fake. 
Who thought that Toronto could land a player of that caliber? Not I, but alas, the CFL, I guess, has come in leaps and bounds. And Poop Johnson, the savior of Pittsburgh, will in fact not be the savior of Pittsburgh. He's going to be in Toronto. Damn it. Cornerbacks, as far as they go, we got Kareem Jackson, like I said before. Bradley Roby, who the Steelers were thinking about. We were even hearing rumors about him midseason. He's going to be available from Denver. Robert Alford, longtime Atlanta Falcons cornerback, just got released. Buster Screen from New York Jets, he's released. So no studs there. And I don't think the Steelers really have the trade value with AB to trade for someone like uh, Pat Peterson. Again, keep your fingers crossed. But or uh, or you know Jalen Ramsey, which is our fantasy trade, which would never happen. But I would take it if it did. One drama king for another. But uh, so the Steelers, I don't know if they're going to get a super stud as at cornerback. Uh, but in my opinion, they got to pick up one of these veteran guys. They just simply have shown no ability to develop a single cornerback over the years outside of William Gay and Ike Taylor, who took about eight years to get good in their own respective careers. We don't have that kind of time. So as far as the 2019 Steelers go, I don't really have an outlook yet. Some people were asking me uh, online, I think uh, Armchair Browns, our friends over at Armchair Sports, were asking what is our outlook on the AFC North now with – uh, the predictions of, of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown being off the Steelers. And I think everyone is just assuming Cleveland is going to win the division. They're a sexy new pick. People are ready for Cleveland to be good. And honestly, they are good. They have a good roster. New probable superstar quarterback in Baker Mayfield. But it's not like ours has gone anywhere, right? And they ended the season like 6-2 and two or something like that, whereas the Steelers ended the season, you know, 0-700 in my mind, if you count all the offseason losses since then. But I do think it's going to be a three-team race. I'm leaving the Bengals out of this. I think that they have a bit of a disaster hiring a 14-year-old who has never had any coaching experience to be their head coach, Zach Taylor, who was the quarterback coach for the Rams for one year, We all saw how well their quarterback did in the Super Bowl in the playoffs. And before that, I believe he was the assistant wide receiver as coach. And now they are wondering why they can't find anybody to take the defensive coordinator job. So I think that they might be in for a little bit of a setback, even though the Bengals have a good roster. But the Browns, they're no, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Ravens, they're all around equally talented. Yes, losing AB is going to be, whether you guys like it or not, that's a colossal hit on the Steelers' Super Bowl hopes. It just is, man. You can't lose that much talent and and bring in enough talent to offset that. And it's not like the defense is trending upwards in a really nice way. There are huge questions on the defense. Yes, they've improved here or there, but there's probably four positions on the defense with major question marks. There really is no position on the defense that's totally set. You got to really like the starting defensive line with Tuit, Hayward, and Hargrave. But behind them, there's no depth. So we got to see what they do to address that. And I don't know what the real outlook is on the 2019 Steelers till after free agency and draft. So obviously we'll get into that. 
I am very much hoping that the Steelers retain the entire offensive line, if not most of the offensive line, because at the end of the day, I know people want to say Cleveland's going to run away with the division or the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, these young quarterbacks, but the Steelers are super solid in both trenches. And if you can keep that a strength, you're going to be in almost any game you play. They still have Ben. They got Juju. We'll see who else they add. James Conner has shown the ability to be a pro bowl running back. We'll see what happens, but I can't really get into too much prediction until we see who they add. One bummer about 2019 is so far the 2018 draft class has been pretty disappointing with Terrell Edmonds, James Washington, and then, you know, you got Chooks Okora for, but I'm hoping he's not going to have to play this year. And then, of course, you draft a third-string quarterback in Mason Rudolph. He better be the second-string quarterback by this year. Otherwise, that's another wasted draft pick. And as I said many times since it's happened, Josh Dobbs was a complete an utter waste of a draft pick. And you saw that in full for- force when the Steelers lost to Oakland when the guy couldn't generate a first down against the worst defense in the history of the world. I know I'm being a little bit hyperbolic there. You can't judge a guy's career or, or picking someone off of-, of one drive like that, but I stand by the fact that they should have just kept a Landry Jones in there. This is a Super Bowl now time, and you've wasted two high mid-round picks on quarterbacks who are not contributing to the team in any way. So... Really, as we say every year, the year depends on the advancement and the growth of the first and second round draft picks from the year prior. Well, this year couldn't have happened any better. T.J. Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, and James Conner all turned into star players. I wouldn't call any of them a superstar player yet. There's no Le'Veon Bell in there. There's no Ryan Shazier type player in there. But these guys all made the Pro Bowl, and like we said before, we do think they were deserving of that, uh, even if they're at the bottom end of that. And that's enormous. So the only deal with Edmonds and Washington is there weren't very many promising moments from those guys this year. Yes, there were a couple here and there. But when you compare that to the rookie seasons of Juju and TJ Watt, and even Connor when he got in there spelling Le'Veon the first year, those guys had a lot more flashes of brilliance as compared to this new class. So I had a little bit more reason to think they would advance, although you you couldn't have predicted that they were going to really bust out the way they did. So hopefully Edmonds and Washington come along, but that has me really worried. And there's no way Washington is getting penciled in as the number two receiver going into this offseason. Just absolutely no way. He's going to have to prove that in training camp. And someone's going to have to be brought in in free agency and in the draft to help start uh, life after AB. I was talking with some people on Twitter about uh, you know, something that I've been talking about a lot with this team, which is I think some people have an, a... Uh, a not very nuanced opinion on if AB leaves, it fixes the culture of your team and therefore your team's going to be better. And that's just wrong. I mean, culture of a team affects a team over five years, 10 years, affects the way that you put a thing together. But when you lose a superstar and you don't add a superstar, I don't care how together your team is or what your culture is, the team with better players and better coaching wins. Okay? And you and, and things have to break your way. You look at the Eagles who won the Super Bowl two years ago with Nick Foles, but that is the anomaly. And, and in certain ways, it's not the anomaly because the average football fan looks at that game that the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl in, and they say, wow, Nick Foles, a backup quarterback, won the Super Bowl. First off, Nick Foles had the game of his life. If you go back and watch that, 
He just, he just said, thug life, I'm chucking it deep. And everything that came out of his hands was gold. And his receivers made nice catches at the end. But the Eagles throughout the entire year that year were the best offensive and defensive lines in the entire league. And they had nice linebackers. They had a punishing top five run game. And they had a lot of things where their football team dominated people in between the white lines. And we see just the quarterback at the top. And you think, wow, what a culture. The uh, Peterson and, and all those guys are such geniuses. And they play together and they wear dog masks. That is definitely part of it. But the bigger thing was that they just pushed people around. They pushed the crap out of people. You couldn't stay on the field with them. So it really is about the players you have. I, of course, agree that fixing the culture is paramount. And I do hope that the Steelers learn from this era of the Killer Bees, which has ended in a probably the most spectacular just explosion of crap that any team has ended in. In a long time. You saw how it ended up. Yes, they do need to fix that. Is that going to help them in 2019? No, it's not. But we'll see what happens. I mean, you get a better team if you get better players and better coaching. I do not think that they have done that on the defensive side this year. Terrell Austin, cool. I, I like the hire. I don't love it. We'll see what happens. Who are they going to add in the offseason? Is Terrell Edmonds going to step up? Are they going to get a big free agent? Are they going to trade up and get a real di- difference maker? In the NFL draft, are they going to get so lucky that someone's going to slide to them at 20? That's very rare for someone to slide to them at 20. If you're in the window now, I'm going to say the same thing I said last year. They need to trade up if a Derwin James slides down to 11 or 17 or whatever he slid down to this year. they got to be aware of that. So we got to keep an eye on what they're going to do in this offseason. And hope is not totally lost. I said earlier the Super Bowl chances take a big hit with A.B. out, and I mean that particularly for 2019, but they're by no means out of the picture because with the, with the right acquisitions, you still got Ben Roethlisberger playing well. You still got a great line, and you got playmakers. Obviously, Juju and, and Connor could take even another further step forward, and we'll see what else happens. But looking at the 2020 Steelers, if they can keep this group intact – You could be even more in the running during that year because you are going to have so much money ready to spend with a B off the cap and so on and so forth. But uh, I guess Juju will be coming up for a a contract extension at that time. But all I'm saying is that the Steelers aren't packing it in. They have still this core group of Ben in this offensive line, which kind of defines this group of, of Steelers. It's where all the money's at. It's what makes the team go. And hopefully they do change to a better mix of a balanced attack on offense. Hopefully Ben getting his buddy in there with the feet master um, and then throwing 70 times a game, you know, regresses to the means a little bit next season. Like we pointed out during this year, all the throwing was not necessarily simply philosophical a lot of it was game situations if you guys remember after the first half of the season every week we came back into this podcast and said what did the Steelers do they turned it over within the first two possessions they went three and out with the first two possessions the defense let the (laughs) offense score and two of the first three possessions and ipso facto you end up having to pass to get back up in the games but then as the season went on they did you know 
end up passing even a more extreme amount. So hopefully they can get to a little bit more ground and pound and then perhaps even utilize the ancient art of play action pass, which they use less than any team in the entire league. And that is the way to generate big plays. And hopefully they can change their identity that way. And I think that those teams end up having a little bit more of a sustainable type of playing style instead of just relying on hopefully Ben's hot that day and hopefully Juju and AB are making the big catches. Obviously, it comes down to can you finally develop a defense, Mike Tallman? We'll see. Um, I'm rambling on right now, you guys, because I'm channeling my inner frustration about this A-B stuff into this podcast right here. Uh, I know this is very broad. This is a very broad, sort of general, free-flowing episode today, but we're just kind of in that spot with the news um, right now. We are going to get more in-depth into the free agent class once it becomes clear who's actually going to be available. The AB trade talks are going to heat up more around the combine. So yes, we have to live with this until then. And yes, AB is going to make sure we are all living with this because he loves himself and he wants to make sure that he's front and center in the news. And I loved him too. And now I can never love again. I've realized that and I have to re-examine my life with football because I have to admit to you guys that I was sincerely embarrassed about my emotions when he came out and sort of form and put out that goodbye video to Steelers fans. We all knew he was leaving, but when he put that out, I could not control how angry I got. And I don't get angry in real life like that. Just the Steelers and football have this hold over me where there's an emotional response that I can't even control. And so I sit there trying to, trying to even that out a little bit. And I try to think about like, how do you have such a, an attachment to the individual players? But you know what, man, that's part of what makes it special. I mean, it is kind of psychotic to spend three hours every Sunday for decades now spending time watching these guys, but that's also how you get close to them. If you can be sad if someone in Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad dies or if something bad happens to them, well, imagine watching a guy play for nine years in real life and sort of seeing the ups and downs of that player, especially in the social media age now where you get a better idea of the person that they really are and the, and the work that they put in. Now, granted, those social media presences are a bit manicured to look a particular way to give you a certain idea of how their lives are going. But if you can read in between the lines, you do get to sort of know the guys a little bit. So I think it's natural to grow an attachment with these guys. And just frankly, it's hard for teams to win the Super Bowl, and there is a lot of luck that goes into it. I mean, just ask the Saints. They got a little luck earlier in the season, and then karma took it away from them at the end. But bearing that fact in mind, like you're not going to win the Super Bowl every year, but at least you get to watch Le'Veon Bell and Ben and, and A.B., play football every weekend and it's just a fun brand of football to watch so it sort of sucks <laughs> to lose that while it's happening but um regardless i felt that if i maybe admitted some of my uh, emotional shortcomings maybe some of you guys would relate to that because i mean how much well then what more do you want you get 20 million dollars a year 106 catches and 15 touchdowns leading the league on a down year a hall of fame quarterback throwing you the ball like six or seven nationally televised games per week your uniform is dope what if you get traded to the buccaneers you gotta wear the alarm clock numbers on your jersey you are going to look so stupid 
okay? And it just seems selfish. Whereas with the Le'Veon Bell thing, you get annoyed, but you can understand where he's coming from. And I can't blame Le'Veon Bell because, listen, Steelers did what they thought was best for them, and he thought, and he was doing what's best for him, but the players' union agreed to a stupid CBA, which had a franchise tag as a legal maneuver. So this guy's trying to get long-term security. You can't blame him. He should be able to search for as much as he wants. Well, AB already has everything. So why are you leaving? I'll never love again. That's it, guys. Uh, Tune in next week. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Check out our Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Same thing, SteelersOutpost.com. SteelersOutpost at gmail.com if you want to send us um, send us a little note. But uh, we'll be back in with you. Papa Tom will be back on the scene next week. Sorry it was a little bit rambly today, but uh, hopefully some of you guys related to that at the end. And we'll be back with some hard-hitting analysis next week. Go Steelmen, go Steelers. Here we go. Okay, bye-bye. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.